Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The very foundation of this country, that the wealth that we have built, the way we became the greatest country on the face of the planet, was literally on the backs of those who were kidnapped and brought here by force. We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism, and it poses a threat to the United States of America. All that a country is is a collection of people. We need to recognize that when it comes to the economic gap between blacks and whites in America, it does come from a great injustice that has never been dealt with. That great injustice has had to do with the fact that there was 250 years of slavery followed by another 100 100 years of domestic terrorism. If we love our children and if we want to leave them a planet that is healthy and is habitable, we got to A, take on the fossil fuel industry, B, B, we have to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel so-called conservative christian senators right now in the senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage when scripture says that whoever oppresses the poor taunts their maker it is the savage nation which one of these agitators do you think will emerge as the robespierre uh, of the revolution because they were all trying vying to be Robespierre. And if you study the French Revolution, you know who he was. He was the one who brought about the mass executions and trials, the reign of terror. And the fact of the matter is every one of these schmendricks on the left would like to be a Robespierre with absolute power. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I'm going to read the tweets I sent during the debate last night. It was not a debate. It was a a punchline comedy show of communists pseudo-communists, crypto-communists, would-be communists, soft socialists, hard socialists. So who won the debate? And what was the most offensive thing that you heard last night? 
Who is the craziest of the bunch? Which one do you think will win to go against Trump? Were you surprised that the moderators attacked the radicals? I could ask these you know, silly questions. And tonight it's going to be worse. I don't know if I can take another night of it. Although tonight we got the big shots coming in. We got uh, Biden. Got Biden there. Who else? Who's the other big one going up against them? Oh, Kamala Harris. There's going to be a race there. If Kamala Harris doesn't say racist and racism at least 53 times in the five minutes that she gets. So here are the tweets I put out last night. The first one was when Bernie walked out on the stage with a clean suit. I tweeted, look, they managed to get the tuna stain out of Bernie's suit. Then came Marianne, the uh, crazy author, and I said, UFO author looks hot. Then I watched the moderator. I said, Don Lemon, is he on fish oil? Said to improve IQ, might get him over 100 IQ. The funniest part came next. And I wrote, nothing funnier than watching anti-American communist stooges pretending to pledge allegiance to the flag they spit on. They didn't even know where to put their hand. As a matter of fact, I looked very carefully, and um, Bernie put his hand over his stomach rather than over his heart, and that's probably from the the knishes he grabbed on the way in. I, I didn't know what he was doing. He put his hand over his stomach, not over his heart. So I thought he had indigestion, a little gird. I don't know what was coming up on him. I said, look, Bernie holding his hand over his stomach, not his heart, must be the knishes he grabbed on the way in. Steve Bullock, question mark. As exciting as a car that refuses to start. Then again, UFO author, what's with the fake accent? Where is she from? Does anyone know where she comes up with that accent? Like a psycho accent. John Delaney, making sense, will be thrown off the list ASAP. Does not fit in with the commies. Hickenlooper, the governor, too loopy from the marijuana state. Klobuchar uh, represents the decent America of the past. But in the real America of today, the most she would have done is run a corset shop in Milwaukee. Certainly not be running for the presidency. Beto, Irish on all sides. Why does he adopt a Spanish name? He's, he has, is as appealing as an uncovered Boy Scout leader. You'll have to figure that one out. Pete uh, Booty Schmeg, Pete Booty Keg, looks like a little boy in his father's suit. 12 years until the world ends. Daddy, daddy, help. Elizabeth Warren, the perfect actress to play a concentration camp guard, mean through and through a snotty academic. Bernie, how much did he make last year? Another millionaire, Bolshe, another fossil fuel condo comic. I'm turning it off right now. None of them can win. Trump will wipe the floor with any or all of them together. Then I couldn't resist. I came back after a, a break. And I said, Klobuchar's smirk of Feinstein carbon. And then Warren's class warfare with a shaky voice. She wants what? Cuban health care? Then I wrote, unlimited free health care for all? Works well in Cuba and North Korea. They went in line for an aspirin. Beady-eyed Bernie becomes agitated and foams at the mouth when he thinks of the profits actual business people make. Bernie's on a roll, I say. Or is it a bagel? I said, Bernie's on a roll or is it a bagel? I thought that was clever. I was trying to keep it going, you know what I'm saying? Elizabeth Warren says, open the nation to the worst people on the planet. And I quote Fidel Castro, he, healthcare is a human right. Then there was Don Lemon in person. I write, look, Don Lemon reads. Then Mayor Bootykeg says, take away daddy's guns, ju- just let the gangs have them. And then I use some Yiddish words, and I don't know if you know what they mean. I'll translate for you in a minute. Uh, Bernie, I said, you can take the schmendrick out of the bagel shop, but you can't take the bagel out of the schmendrick. 
In a few minutes, I will define Schmendrick. Bernie equals a Schnorum, a Shugana, Mamza, Schlemazel, and Schlemiel rolled into one. Sanders and Altacaca, would you eat a sandwich handled by Sanders? If you were in a deli and a guy like Sanders came out and you ordered a tuna on, let's say, uh, white, I don't know, white, on rye, on rye, I should have said white bread, I gotta be careful. If you ordered a tuna on, on rye bread, not toasted, and he touched it with his hand, would you eat it? I wouldn't. Tim Ryan, the only man on the stage. Unfortunately for him, he actually looked like a candidate who could be president. He didn't put his hand on his heart for the pledge. That was a deficit. Dizzy Lizzie Warren calls herself a capitalist. What capital has she ever produced? What profits has she ever generated as a leech professor? Next, Klutzebacher makes my stomach turn. Cannot bear to watch her. No entertainment value. So as you can see, I had a nice night last night. A very nice night. And then the funniest one for me was this. Beto, world ends in 10 years. Bernie, world ends in 12 years. Warren, world ends in 15 years. Booty keg, the world has ended. Biden does not understand the question. And then I said, wait, Bernie will eliminate gas-powered vehicles by 2040? I thought the world will end in only 12 years. How does that work? Let's do the math together. It's 2019, 12 years till the Earth ends. Gee, that's 2031, and Bernie's going to work on getting rid of gas-powered cars by 2040. I don't know what that's all about, since we'll all be flooded. Maybe you can make aqua cars the government can make for us. Klutzbacher says rainstorms are racist because they mainly hit minorities. I swear, she said that. Again, with a shaky voice. UFO author says racism bad lives in a mansion in Gross Point. Don Lemon, the expert on racism, I ask? He hates whites, expresses this hatred on CNN regularly. Have to leave now. Dems worse than a Politburo agitprop for the workers. Five minutes later, back again. White supremacy they're talking about? Wait a minute. White supremacy is the greatest threat to America? What about black youths in gangs beating people near death in the streets? What about MS-13 gangs beheading and raping? Not one word from these. I can't say it. It's a family show. Finally, the one that got me angriest was reparations. And I said, my birthright was stolen through affirmative action. I will not pay another penny to these communist race baiters. Let's have a little uh, exit music here for a moment on the Savage Nation. I'll pitch the uh, audience and invite them to get onto the show. I guess they didn't appreciate any of my jokes. So we can go on to some serious stuff now. And if these topics don't interest you. Okay, folks, the listeners of the Savage Nation, what do you feel is the most important story out there that no one is talking about? What is the number one thing bothering you today in America, in the country, the news cycle, or whatever? What story have you seen that I didn't mention yet? Well, I have one, a real doozy. I found it just before the show. It got me very upset. In Oklahoma, I put it up on on, on michaelsavage.com, and I put it up on Twitter. It gets you sick to watch this one. You're going to get very ill watching it. I'm going to cut to the chase. I know it's sacred for me to defend police. I'm not never supposed to say they do wrong. Well, let me tell you something. When Eric Garner was choked to death by that punk cop in New York, I said that was a murder. I said that was homicide. And I will say today that this is a case in Oklahoma of punk cops tasing and beating a grandmother in Oklahoma over a broken taillight. As far as I'm concerned, the cops should go to prison for what he did to that poor woman. You think they would pull a black over and do that to them in this day and age? Or a Hispanic gang member? 
I don't think so. But he found an elderly white woman with a broken taillight, pulled her over, tried to write her a ticket. She wouldn't take the ticket. So the punk cop's ego was shattered, and he escalated it and got madder and madder and madder. And then what does he do? He pulls her out of the car, drags her on the ground after tasing her. Sorry, my friends, not all cops are sacred, nor are all talk show hosts, but this country is so screwed up right now that because of the water ballooning and the pails of water being thrown on cops in New York, cops across America are attacking safe targets like middle-aged or older white women. Get it? If not, you're going to get it before I'm through right here on The Savage Nation. Savage. Look, this may be embarrassing, but, you know, you're not alone. Is hair loss a concern for you? You're not alone. If you're worried about keeping your full head of hair, then Keeps is for you. It's the easiest and most affordable way to keep the hair that you have. Their FDA-approved products used to cost a lot, but now thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and very easy to obtain. For just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. Now, getting started is very easy, and signing up takes less than five minutes. Just answer a few simple questions, snap some photos to complete your online doctor consultation. Then a licensed physician will review your information online and recommend the right treatment for you, and then it's shipped right to your door every three months. What could be better to keep your hair? Keeps provides generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products that are out there. Keeps treatments are up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping hair loss. Some men even experience hair regrowth. Some men get back up to 20% of the hair they lost, and it costs only $10 a month. So if you suffer from hair loss, the last thing you need is to wait to see a doctor. With Keeps, there's finally a way to get the help you need when you need it. Now listen to this. Here's the kicker. You can get your first month free. For a limited time, receive your first month of treatment for free by going to keeps.com slash savage nation. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash savage nation. You want to keep your hair? Go to keeps.com slash savage nation. So there was the Schmendrick, uh, the Altacaca, the uh, Meshuggah, the Mamzer, the Schnorrer, the Schlamazel, and Schlemiel, uh, all wrapped up in one, which was Bernie Sanders. Only in this country could this man be taken seriously. No other nation on earth would have even given this man uh, a ticket to first base. But here he is running around the bases, making believe he's going to be president. The Schmendrick had never held a job in his life. By the way, was there anyone on that stage who has ever produced a product or a service that anyone bought or needed? I don't know. There's an academician up there named Elizabeth Warren who never worked a day in her life. She lived on academics. They get so much money for doing nothing. Who else? Was there a businessman up there? You know, there was one businessman who owned Starbucks for a while. He didn't even make it to the debates because he made too much sense. Okay, so he didn't make Look at these idiots up there. Then on the other side, so we have Donald Trump, and we're supposed to support him, and I wake up and my stomach hurts me when I see what he just did. I know you don't want to hear it, but, I, you know, this is the way the show is. I am not Sean Hannity. I am not a mouthpiece for Donald Trump. I am not supposed to sit here and kiss Trump's behind every day. I will not do this anymore if that's what you expect of me. Do you know what he's doing? Do you have any idea what Trump is doing? 
after raising the debt ceiling, he's going to start printing money. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. He's better than them, Mike. You're working for the Democrats. No, you're a moron if you think that. I think we're getting whipsawed, frankly. I think we're getting whipsawed by both parties, and it's all a farce. The only difference right now between the two parties is that the Democrats overtly attack white people, and the Republicans avoid that. But other than that, I don't know where the differences are. Oh, I know what. The taxes will go up? How can they go up any higher than what I'm paying here in California? Tell me how that... Because of Trump's tax plan, he, he, he eliminated the state tax deduction off the federal taxes. I'm paying more on the Trump. And so is every other Republican in California and New York and Illinois. But hush, hush, my darling. We're not supposed to say that. So what are we supposed to say? Which which way do we go here? Of course, I know. It's either him or, or what? Socialism. Roll of the drum. Socialism. But what do you call rolling out a debt as high as you can and then printing money? Would you call that uh, capitalism? What would you call that? You have You have no answer for that. You have no answer for that. Do you understand what I just said? That is socialism, printing money. So I don't understand. Is Trump to raise borrowing once debt limit is raised? It's disgusting. And there's so many other things we could talk about here. I mean, I understand that there are social differences between Trump and the others in terms of what they want to do to the white middle class, which he certainly wouldn't do. And then there are issues of hating Israel, which the entire Democrat Party has now lined up with the most evil forces on the planet. Did you hear the soundbite today of occasional cortex? See, she's jealous that she wasn't old enough to even been on the debates. She's been in Congress six months, and already she wants to be president. So she knows the game, which is shoot your mouth off as often as possible, get on Instagram as often as possible, and then run for office. So what she did today was lower than you could ever believe. She tried to upstage all of the communists uh, of last night. She went on a podcast, listened to what this psycho uh, occasional cortex had to say. I don't think that by marginalizing Palestinians, you create safety. I believe that injustice is a threat to the safety of all people because once you have a group that is marginalized and marginalized and marginalized, once someone doesn't have access to clean water, they have no choice but to riot. Right. So and it doesn't have to be that way. And I'm not even talking about like I'm not even talking about Palestinians. I'm talking about people, communities in poverty in the United States. I'm talking about Latin America. I'm talking about like all over the world. And um, Uh and uh we uh we experience times like Uh that in our history. We we experience that. So she then goes on to call for rioting, not only in uh, in Judea and Samaria by the Palestinians, who the last I checked had very clean water. Uh, but uh, I guess in other parts of the world, Latin America, she wants rioting. She was trying to upstage Elizabeth Warren, I guess, of who could wear the bigger war bonnet. So here we are, 855 The stories are horrible. Here's another story I found. this. Did I define Schmendrick yet? No. Schmendrick. Abraham Goldfaben coined the term. In his opera Schmendrick, he gave a name to a particular combination of fool, simpleton, and weakling. In another of his operettas, the Sevi Kuni Lemels, he used the figure of the Kuni Lemel, another fool yokel bumpkin figure from Yiddish typology. So now you know a little bit about what it means. Now, I didn't yet define Shmegegi, 
is less pathetic and more annoying, but still a fool with a touch of the jerk. Which one was the Schmigegi, and which one was the Schmendrick? You take your choice. I don't care. Savage. Hey. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? Sure, DNA testing can tell you about where your ancestors are from, but did you know it could also give you a lot of genetic information about your health and traits? Understand more about yourself today and inform how you live your life going forward with 23andMe. With 23andMe's health and ancestry service, you can learn how your genes can affect your health. Now, it's a lot to take in, but once you know more, you can take action now to stay healthy. There's a whole world of genes just waiting to meet you in 125-plus personalized genetic reports on your health traits and more. Now, the right personal health plan starts with the right data. Your health reports can give you insights about your DNA, so you can build a health plan that is unique to you. Certain versions of these genes can increase the risk of developing breast, ovarian, prostate, and other cancers. There are thousands of BRCA variations that can increase the risk for certain cancers. 23andMe only tests for the three most commonly found in people with Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. Both men and women can be affected, by the way. 23andMe does not diagnose disease or describe overall likelihood of developing any diseases. 23andMe tests selected genetic variants only. So please visit... 23andMe.com slash savage for very important test information. Order your health plus ancestry kit at 23andMe.com slash savage and you can meet your genes in 125 plus personalized genetic reports. Wow, that's amazing. Again, that's 23andMe.com slash savage. Use the numbers 2, 3, and me.com slash savage. You know, if you watch Bernie Sanders in some of the freeze frames, he's got his hands out. He's foaming at the mouth. He's got spittle all over himself. He looks like he's going to molest somebody on the stage. If you look at him, the guy was crazy, deranged. He wants free health care for 11 million illegal immigrants. He wants to nationalize energy and transportation systems. Look, he's fun to watch for a guy like me because I know the type, but I don't know how you take him seriously. A sane immigration policy moves the comprehensive immigration reform forward. It moves to a humane border policy, which, by the way, by the way, we have enough administrative judges so that we don't have incredible backlogs and we can, we can let them all in. But to uh, answer your question, but to answer your question, I uh, happen to believe that when I talk about health care as a human right, that applies to all people in the country, everyone, legal and illegal, and under a Medicare for all system, we can afford to do that. And by the way, look on this issue of energy, my friends. There is there is no choice. We have to uh, be super aggressive if we love our children and if we want to leave them a planet that is healthy and habitable. So uh, I believe what that means is uh, we got to take on the fossil fuel industry. And by the way, B, it means we have to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. And then a hell of a lot of good union jobs will come and government jobs. We've got to transform our nation. 
Now, here's a man who's never, ever created a product or a service in his life. He's never produced a profit on anything, but he wants to take over uh, health care, energy, and transportation systems and give them to bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. I think the next step should be take over food production, as was done in his a favorite uh, nation in the past, the Soviet Union. Stalin also took over food production. He called the, uh, I try to tell you the parallels to get serious for about a half a second here, because I don't know that serious pays in radio anymore, but I'll try it for about a minute or two. When Stalin came along, he was an all-around bad guy. I know you don't know it, you only know Hitler was a bad guy, but his bookend was Stalin, who was also equally crazy, bad, mass murderer, psychotic, racist from hell. When Stalin came along, one of the things he did was he started to attack the farmers of Russia. He gave them a derogatory name. He called them kulaks, which means exploiter. Uh, <clears throat> very much along the lines of what the Democrats are doing now to the white middle class, calling you white supremacists when you disagree with any of their opinions on anything. Immediately they say racist, white supremacist. Those are the code words that equal kulak. Now, what if you don't stand up to people who call you that, what follows in this country is what followed in the Soviet Union. After the farmers were run down as exploiters, meaning kulaks, that was the pretext to take away their farms and their land, which is what the government did. They sent out little cadres of commies from Moscow, like occasional cortex, like the street gangs, who beat the farmers up, took away their crops, took away their winter clothing and took away their shoes, by the way, to punish them and let them to, to starve to death. Guess what happened in Russia after the Russian government took over food production? There was a famine. 30 million Russians died. This is exactly what you saw on the stage last night, with almost no exception. Do you understand how dangerous they really are? So you say, well, socialism, they're so beyond socialism that there's almost no way to describe what they are. The commie up there who started it all, the most evil man in the history of American politics, worse than Eugene V. Debs, is none other than the evil Bernie Sanders who gets away with it because he looks harmless. He is a weird combination of looking harmless and espousing some of the most hateful, dangerous rhetoric I've ever heard. He is no different than the worst of the Soviets. And his number one student is occasional cortex, an Hispanic who hates everything about this nation. She seems to have an especial hatred for Jews now. It's very intriguing to me that occasional cortex is now targeting Israel and the Jews in a time like this. But it's understandable because I know where she's coming from. I know how the left operates. And the easiest target are Jews. Once again, the scapegoat. So what are we going to get tonight that we haven't gotten last night? What do you think is going to happen? Ron in New Jersey, line one, go ahead. What's your comment on which subject are we up to now? Go ahead. Ron, go ahead. Gone, gone with the wind. Jim kind of snapped to that. <laughs> you can't, Ron, I think he got nervous and dropped the phone. It happens. It's like people get scared. I was once not on the radio, and if you call a show, you get, you get frightened. Things fall out of your hand. 855-400, I don't know my number, 855-400-SAVAGE, 855-407-282. Who won the dim debate? I call it the dim debate, the dim presidential debate. And I gave a list, and I had a vote in order to get through it. Let's see who won on my site. It, it won, you know, she won on all sites. 
the UFO woman, the, the good-looking woman there. Williamson won every poll, the Drudge poll, the Fox poll, my poll. Why did Williamson win? She wasn't the smartest. I don't understand it. Uh, Bullock, never heard of him, got 6% on mine. Booty Keg got 3%. Delaney got 15%. Hickenlooper got 6%. Klobuchar, 0.89. Klobuchar. You know, Klobuchar must have the same media advisor that Dianne Feinstein uses. Probably a low-end, like a low-cost media advisor from San Francisco. Someone who doesn't get too many clients. That same sickly smile that makes you want to puke. O'Rourke, 3%. Ryan, 8%. Sanders, 6%. Warren, 4.444%. And Williamson, surprisingly, the UFO woman got 45% on my, on my poll. Why does everyone like her? Why, why did she win on the Drudge poll, the Savage poll, the Fox poll? Here's another story that I'm reluctant to play. But Reagan made racist remark in taped conversation with Nixon. Oh, 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 all the Reagan lickers out there are going to really have a tough time today. All the Reagan worshipers. Oh, what are they going to do now? Ronald Reagan's hidden racist conversation with Richard Nixon. In a newly unearthed audio, the then-California governor disparaged African delegates to the United Nation, United Nations. Now, I could play it for you. I may play it for you because I think what's fair is fair. What goes around comes around. But I would love to hear some hidden tapes of uh, Barack Obama. What would you give for a hidden tape of Barack and Michelle talking about white people in the privacy of their own home? You'd give a lot, wouldn't you? You're never going to hear them. Because some of the left has spies and the right is just dumb. Back in a minute. Oh, no. I, I called. My timing was off. The time was I was ready to go have lunch already, but I'm not going to eat on the air. I promised I wouldn't eat on the air anymore. People got mad at me for eating on the air. What's your business if I have to eat once in a while? The show is during my lunch hour. I don't do it anymore. You know, I was watching a show uh, the other night on Russian prisons, the toughest prisons in the world. I saw it once before. I noticed something about the Russian prisoners. First of all, they're treated like they should be treated. These are like the worst, the mass murderers, things like that. When they're walked from place to place, they're, they're bent over like on their hands and knees. Then the Russians know how to raise a dog. They have guard dogs that are over six feet tall and weigh almost 200 pounds that growl and bark and snap in cages as the prisoner walks down the gauntlet back and forth to the cell. Just to, to give him an idea what will happen if he tries to escape. I don't know how the Russians train a dog like that. It's some kind of shepherd a a russian shepherd that weighs 200 pounds is over six feet tall on its rear legs it's certainly different than my dog teddy but nevertheless so what do they eat i was wondering what do they feed them up there here we have kosher meals in prison halal meals if a prisoner says he's allergic they have to go to get an allergist for the prisoner and they all complain about bad prison conditions in russia the way they, they give them gruel three times a day did you see what they i don't know how the guys are so tough it just shows you could live on very little and remain strong yes they're skinny you can see all their tattoos, the prison tattoos. That is true. Uh, but how do they live on, on a gruel like that? No, they don't take coenzyme Q at night. With No, the Russians don't give them CoQ and other vitamins to go along with their, with their gruel. No, they don't get a multi. They don't get spring water. They don't get Fiji water up there. They probably melt snow up there on the roof. How do they live and remain so strong in these prisons on gruel? I don't understand it. I was so impressed with the Spartan diet that they feed the prisoners in Russia that I made some oatmeal before the show. Now, it's true. I spiked mine with some low-fat cottage cheese and blueberries, which they don't get in Russia. They never heard of a blueberry in in Siberia. And I don't think they get cottage cheese. But the gruel was pretty good, I got to tell you. 
So what is it you want to talk about? Come on, I could play some of the sound for you if you'd like. And I guess we may as well do it. We may as well entertain you. If you missed the thing last night, we have it for you. And uh, let us begin with, oh, we have Ronald Reagan making racist remarks about African diplomats. I'm not ready for that. Okay, let's start with the slavery thing. I don't know about you, but to me, that's my flashpoint. If they want to impose reparations on me after what I have paid in my life through loss of jobs, through taxation for a welfare state, and through a hundred other ways, I'll tell you right now, that's my flashpoint. I will never, ever pay a dime, not one cent in reparations. I would go to prison before I paid 10 cents to any rotten government that wanted to take it away from me. I want you to listen to this nonsense uh, from uh, Beto in clip uh, six, please. I want to acknowledge something that we're all touching on, which is the very foundation of this country, the, the wealth that we have built, the way we became the greatest country on the face of the planet was literally on the backs of those who were kidnapped and brought here by force. Liar. The legacy of slavery is segregation. Liar, and Jim Crow and suppression is alive and well in every aspect of the economy and in the country. Today, as president, I will sign into law a new voting rights act. Oh. I will focus on education, address health care disparities, right, stop, but I will stop, also... Stop, stop, shut up. First of all, you're finished. Once the nation saw who you were, how thin your campaign was and how racist it was, you're finished. But let's go into the issue of slavery is what enabled the United States to become the wealthiest nation. I'm the son of an immigrant. My grandfather came here with very little money, and he worked hard in his little tailor store until he died. And my father worked until he died. I'm working till I hope maybe retire before I die. I don't know. Maybe I'll die on the radio. I'm working not because I have to, but because I want to, because I want to continue to try to save the nation. Yes, it's been going on a long time. A quarter of a century, and my work is not done. Or I would have hung up the microphone a while ago. I've won awards. I have best-selling books. I don't really have to do this, but I can't sit idly by as I see what the left wants to do to you and your children. They want to enslave you. So here's this guy, Beto, saying slavery enabled the United States to become the wealthiest nation. So far as I know, nobody in my family ever profited 10 cents off a slave. In fact, the opposite is true. We gave most of what we earned to taxes, or a good 50% of it, to taxes, and a good portion of that 50% went to support people who refused to work in this country. And I, I'm not going to accept anymore that everyone who is a bum in the country or doesn't work or takes welfare is a downtrodden individual because the society is racist. It makes no sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And if you want to talk about reparations, you have to put into the, into the formula the 800,000 whites who died to free the slaves. I mean, it's an un uncomfortable subject. I've done this before. I will do it over and over again. And every time they bring it up, I'll bring it up again. What about all the white families who were impoverished because they lost a the breadwinner in the Civil War? How about reparations for them? And while you're at it, if you want to blame somebody for enslaving your ancestors, what you ought to do is go to Africa and find the wealthy African families that are still there whose ancestors were slave traders. And then while you're at it, go to Saudi Arabia or Qatar and see which Saudi or, or families from the uh, royal families out there had slave traders in their ancestry upon which they built their fortune. And then while you're at it, go to Spain and tell the king of Spain that his descendants today owe reparations to American 
African-Americans whose ancestors were slaves. Because then you may have a, ra- a rational argument. They benefited. Now, by the way, who gets the money? You want to go into that? Which person of color gets the money? Is it Africans who just came here from Africa within the last few years? They were never slaves, so they wouldn't get any. Would it be Africans like o- African-Americans like Oprah Winfrey? I don't think she deserves any, do you? Would it be baseball players who go on their knee and make tens of millions of dollars a year and spit on the flag? I don't think they deserve reparations. So who would get it? The wealthy African-American doctor? I don't think he should get it. So who should get it? The ones who throw water balloons on cops' heads in New York? Why don't you start there and see where that goes? How would they spend the money, John? Savage. Well, first of all, it's not $500 billion in financial assistance. It's $500 billion, 200 to $500 billion payment of a debt that is owed. That is what reparations is. We need some deep truth-telling when it comes. We don't need another commission to look Get at the evidence. the UFO crackpot off the air, would you please? Who is this? I don't even know who she is. A guru, they call her. A self-help guru. I never heard of her. Works with Oprah Winfrey, so she puts out this rubbish. Now she's running for the presidency. All you got to do is feed them the garbage they want to hear. We owe $500 billion. No, we owe uh, a trillion dollars. No, we owe $2 trillion. No, we owe $3 trillion. Who should get reparations? I should get reparations for what was stolen from me. How's that? I want reparations for what was stolen from me, Michael Savage. I want my reparations, and I want them now. All the jobs I didn't get that I was a thousand times more qualified than the morons they put into the jobs. I want my reparations now. I want a tax rebate for the money I paid these, this government going all the way back to when I was a young kid and working. How much of that money was given to people who didn't work at all? You know, this is coming to a head in this country. This is coming to a head. And I almost thank the Democrat Party for displaying to the American people just how communistic they actually are. They're not even hiding it anymore. You have a choice between a party that's outright Soviet-style communism. I don't care how they mask it. He calls himself a Democrat socialist, the, the seltzer man, the pickle salesman, the schlemiel, the schlemazel. The others are varieties of the same. They want to punish the white middle class in this country as fast and as deeply as they can. And do you understand where this leads? Do you understand it leads only to one place, which is a civil war? Do you actually think that every white person in this country is simply going to roll over to a communist dictator as quickly as they think that we would? Do you think that there would be no rebellion? So you say, well, we have, they'll have the federal government to crack down on them. Maybe they will. You've got to understand that rhetoric like you heard last night about reparations, which has become normalized, is not normal at all. How many years has it been since the Civil War? With the advent of the Civil Rights Acts of the 1960s, there was no chance that anyone couldn't get as far as they wanted in this country if they had the brains and the drive. Take a look at all the people who have. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. 
And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. What makes me qualified to say 200 to 500 billion dollars? I'll tell you what makes me qualified. If you did the math of the 40 acres and a mule, given that there was four to five million slaves at the end of, of, of the Civil War, there were four to five, and they were all promised 40 acres and a mule for every family of four. If you did the math today, it would be trillions of dollars. And I believe that anything less than 100 billion dollars is is an insult, and I believe the 200 to 500 billion is, is politically feasible today because so many Americans realize there is an injustice that continues to form a toxicity one, underneath yeah, yeah, the surface. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, she works for Oprah Winfrey, so now you know how she got where she is. So now she's espousing this line. One of the wealthiest women in the media history, Oprah Winfrey, now is pushing this dummy, this UFO nut, to push for a half a trillion dollars for slavery reparations. Let me tell you this right now. I am an immigrant son. I have never taken a nickel from a slave. My family has never profited from slavery. Blacks did not build anything that my family profited from, never worked for the family, ever. Now, there are some rich white families who have profited from slavery. And if people have grievances, that's who they should go to. There are corporations who may have initially profited from slavery. That's who they should go to. The king of Spain profited greatly from slavery. The Arabian kings profited greatly from slavery. But I, as an American, an immigrant son, never kept a slave, never benefited from slavery. One of the biggest lies last night, and promulgated by the black revisionist historian movement, by the way, is this. It's an absolute lie to say that black slavery built America. Well, that's like saying the Chinese who were conscripted to build a railroad built California. Well, they didn't build California. They built the railroad tracks. Moreover, you never hear the Chinese screaming for reparations. When have you last heard the Chinese screaming that someone owes them something? If it is true that their antecedents were virtual slaves building the railroads in California, how is it that the Chinese have subsequently done so well in America? Two generations later, you don't hear them screaming that anybody owes them anything. If you really want to get into this, I would say that I am owed reparations for what I've paid. I am so sick and tired of this discussion that I'm going to fight back. You see, I've had jobs stolen from me as a result of affirmative action. I have paid criminal levels of taxation to support people on the bottom who don't work and to support police and jails and God knows what for people who don't work. I'm sick of it and I'm sure I'm not the only person sick of it. So I'm going to tell you right now, since the left is going to make race and reparations very important, I'm ready for that fight. I'm not going to sit here and roll over and be afraid of you calling me names because I can give it back as good as I can get. And let me tell you something else. The balance sheet is not yet complete. You owe me money. I don't owe you anything. I've had my birthright stolen because of people who are far less qualified than I am. I've had my pockets lifted to support people who are not as productive as I am, and I'm sick of it all. How about you? How about you out there in the, sa- in the Savage Nation? How'd you feel about them last night trying to stir up race war in America under the guise of fairness? I think I've heard this before. I've seen it in the history books. It occurred in the Russian Revolution in 1917. It occurred in uh, Cambodia under Pol Pot. It occurred in Cuba under Fidel Castro. And they're trying to cause the same thing here. One of my hobbies when I'm not watching television is history. And I've been studying the French Revolution uh, most recently. 
So I want to tell you a little bit about what these people really are. These agitators, one of them will break out and to become, in their mind, they'll break out and become the Robespierre of this revolution in America. And what might they do? Let me read you a little history about what Robespierre did in France in the 1790s after he took power, because that's what every one of those clowns on the stage with maybe one or two exceptions would like to do to you. If they could, they would cut your head off and take your property. They would enslave your entire family if they could. If you think I'm uh, going over the top here, you know nothing about history. I'll read this history, one line, actually one paragraph. With the radical element now in power, some of the revolution's most hardline individuals rose through the ranks to greater positions of power. Maximilian Robespierre was one such man. A lawyer and politician, a lawyer and politician, he was a man of many contrasts. He opposed the use of the death penalty, sound familiar, yet argued for the king's execution. He helped round up his political enemies, yet worked to abolish slavery in the colonies. He was a man of the people and soon rose to the top of the newly created Committee of Public Safety, a branch of government that soon came to supersede the National Convention. With Robespierre now in a position of power, a 10-month dark age descended over France. The reign of terror had begun. The committee was a draconian beast that believed France had to be purged of its counter-revolutionary population. While it worked to eradicate Christianity from the face of the Republic, executing priests outright, and burning places of worship to the ground, it turned the blades of the guillotine on its enemies. Citizens were rounded, trialed in the blink of an eye, and separated from their heads one after the other. Thousands were dragged from their homes and taken to places of execution across Paris and the nation. Blood ran through the streets figuratively and literally. Robespierre enabled the reign of terror to spread like a witch hunt, seeking out even the slightest hint of thought or thoughts or inclinations against the Republic and severing it without mercy. Not every person executed was guilty. With the smokescreen of the terror used to purge everyone from peasants to senior members of the convention. The Girondins were ruthlessly purged during the reign of terror, as Robespierre became a dictator in all but name. He imposed universal male suffrage and ushered in a new state religion, the cult of the supreme being, attempting to radically reshape France in accordance with his own vision. See, I'm reading this to you about the French Revolution. I, you see, I know you see the parallels, right? I see Robert shaking his head. Every one of those pieces of garbage on the stage last night, with one or two exceptions, are little Robespierre's in the making. The worst of them being the little old guy with the brown suit who spit on himself, Bernie Sanders. A little Robespierre in the making. Eventually, France awoke from its bloodlust and a warrant for Robespierre's arrest was issued. The Girondins had suffered a considerable cull of their number, but a reactionary group, the Thermidorian reaction hunted down Robespierre and had him executed on the 8th, the 28th of July, 1794. His death marked the true end of the reign of terror and the twilight of the revolution. France had fallen into the hands of one man yet again, and his power trip had damaged the nation. 
To prevent such a disaster happening again, executive power would now be in the hands of a five-member directory appointed by the National Convention. Royalists and Jacobins protested the new regime, but were swiftly silenced by the concentrated power of the army, an army now containing a young and successful general who went by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte. And that's a brief capsule history of what you saw last night on that Democrat stage. Which of those agitators will emerge as the Robespierre of the revolution? None of them. But in time, unless she is stopped, the little bartender will be the Robespierre of your time. Mark my words. She is a terrorist through and through. I shall return on Michael Savage. Savage. You know, there was a time that even some black activists opposed reparations, and some of them were big activists. Bayard Rustin, great guy, who organized the March on Washington and was a friend of Martin Luther King Jr., called it a ridiculous idea. I'm quoting him. And he said this. In 1969, he was quoted in the New York Times. This is Bayard Rustin. He said, if my great-grandfather picked cotton for 50 years, then he may deserve some money. But he's dead and gone, and nobody owes me anything. He later expanded on his views, writing that a payout would demean, quote, the integrity of blacks and exploit white guilt. Bayard Rustin continued. He said, it is insulting to Negroes to offer them reparations for past generations for suffering, as if the balance of an irreparable past could be set straight with a handout. So where are the black leaders today? There are none. That's the sad truth. Instead, we have white demagogues making believe that they are oppressed minorities, speaking for oppressed minorities. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of fed up with all of this. I began as a social worker in New York City when I graduated college because I wanted to do good. I was a do-gooder, and I found that I was being done rather than doing good. I was really being done by the system. And so where are the black leaders arguing against this reparations nonsense, which is just promoting a greater separation. And where do the American people stand on this? Well, in 2018, a left-wing survey was done, Data for Progress survey, survey, was found that reparations was very unpopular among the general public, especially so among white Americans. So we watched a circular firing squad last night in the Democrats trying to up each other on who could be a better leftist Marxist uh, Robespierre than the other. And when someone tried to slow them down, for example, Governor Hickelooper, who made more sense than any up to a point, they tried to shout him out of the theater. What they did was elect Donald Trump last night. I mean, tonight is another one, okay? Who's going to be there we're supposed to think is going to be any different? Are you telling me that Biden has the intellectual capacity to understand the nuances and the differences that are being argued about. He's old. He's tired. He was never intellectually able to begin with. So I don't expect much from him. And the only thing, reason Biden is moving ahead on the left is because he represents a sort of, uh, I don't even have the right word for it, uh, stability in the sense of stupidity. His stupidity is actually a plus for Biden. People want stupid in the White House. They want someone who's dumb. They want somebody who's no threat. They want someone who's stable, 
who might just make America quiet again, like go away for the entire month of August somewhere and not be heard from. I don't think Biden knows how to tweet. I don't think Biden would have an iPhone. Jim, do you think Biden has an iPhone? Maybe his granddaughter does. He could have his, have his granddaughter tweet. But they figure a guy like Biden doesn't know how to tweet, wouldn't want to tweet, doesn't know what a website is, never saw an internet, doesn't get his news from the internet. He probably still reads the Baltimore Herald or whatever it is uh, in the New York Times. That's about it. He takes coffee with two sugars. You see what I'm saying? A regular guy. That's what's appealing about Joe Biden. And don't underestimate that, that that quiet, bumbling, middle-of-the-road, I-won't-get-in-your-face approach is very appealing to a lot of people right now. But make no mistake about it, Biden will do what these people on the stage tell him to do. They are the voice of the Democrat Party. Never mind who the face is, you see. Now, coming up in just a few minutes, we have a great uh, journalist reporter on the show. And you'll all know him the minute he appears because he is well known. He writes columns for the New York Post, which we all adore. Michael Goodwin at the bottom of the hour. And his topic of all things is the Dem obsession with racism. I can't wait to discuss this with him. The Democrat obsession with racism. I'm honestly happy that he'll be, excuse me, joining us on this program. It's fabulous. And uh, we'll give you an opportunity to give a quick call here or there on the uh, on the show let's go to the callers uh on the savage nation tom in ohio line seven go ahead please what's on your mind good afternoon michael i think that um biden's gonna have a rough night tonight i think that they smell blood in the water and i think it's booker harris even gabbard and i think uh castro are going to come at him everybody well you know listen booker is going to pull the race card oh yeah harris doesn't know anything else that's how she got where she is playing that but I want to remind everyone listening to this show about about uh, Kamala Harris. Her own father, and we got to get the tape again, was so offended when she talked against slavery a few months ago that he said, he said, Kamala, stop it. We're from Jamaica on my side. We own slaves in Jamaica. How come that's not being played by the dumb Republican Party? What is wrong with them? Well, I tell you what, she doesn't, I, I don't think that the lady has any substance to her she'll do it and say whatever she, she has no charisma either yeah if she had- kamala harris is probably a decent person but she doesn't have the brains to be a president she's running on a few elements but she strikes me as the type if you gave her a compass an analog compass and you said to a fine north she couldn't find it with an analog compass she'd have to use an iphone which would tell her and start speaking to her through siri this way is north. This way is north. She reads what is put in front of her. She is a part of the San Francisco Democrat machine, which is identical to the machine that ran New York City for over 100 years called Tammany Hall. No one has given the name to Tammany Hall of the West Coast, but it's the same Tammany Hall that gave us Willie Brown, Kamala Harris, Gavin Newsom, Jerry Brown. They're all out of the same exact Tammany Hall on the West Coast. She's not that smart. Some of them are very smart. Amongst the names I just repeated uh, just now, the smartest one is Willie Brown. Willie Brown is probably one of the smartest men I've ever met, and that was only once 20 years ago. That's how he became so powerful in the state, because he is so smart. But she is not so smart. Not at all. And I don't think she's qualified for this position. Uh, But then again, who is qualified anymore? You'd say, well, it was Trump qualified. 
my position at the time that Trump appeared in 2016 was, look at all the buildings with his name on it. He built these buildings. You think that that's easy? You think he's just a figurehead? You're mistaken. And I figured we need a businessman, not a politician. Unfortunately, right now, he's become a politician. I know you don't want to hear it. I know that's not the party line. I know that's not the mantra. But as far as I'm concerned, he's in the same rowboat with all the other swamp creatures that did this to us before he was president. You take a look at the economy. On the face, it's doing good. But take a look at the underpinnings of the economy. They're not doing good. Take a look at the printing of money. Not a good thing. No, sir. So up to a point, we're doing much better. And of course, I will support him and vote for him because the opposition is so horrendous that I would never risk the life of this nation with any of them. But tonight should be very interesting. When I come back again, Michael Goodwin of the New York Post on the Democrat obsession with racism. Savage. Is uh, look, we're all talking about the dim debate last night, and I asked you earlier who amongst them will become the Robespierre of their revolution because it was revolutionary rhetoric. We heard again wrapping it in fairness, but it was revolutionary. And I gave you a little history of the Civil War, excuse me, the uh, the the, uh, the French Revolution on the Robespierre and what happens when you let these people free. Joining us right now on the very same or similar topic of the reparations. The Dem obsession with racism is the great journalist, columnist, really, Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, whose articles I've enjoyed for many, many years. Michael, thank you so much for being with us on The Savage Nation. My pleasure. Thank you. So your latest column is about reparations or racism. Michael. Yes, there you go. Your, your latest column is about racism or reparations. Well, um, I've, I've discussed them both. Um, that uh, having, with Robert Mueller having put a stake in the heart of Russia, 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 <laughs> Democrats and, and the left needed something, some one-word motto to get them going again, and so they've settled on racist, 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 uh, <laughs> President Trump. Uh, now, I think that reparations uh, as a policy it grows out of that sort of, that identity politics uh uh, even white guilt in many cases. Um, but this seems to be now an idea that the, that the party as a whole is taking quite seriously. Not, uh, not everybody is there now. Mm. I think it's the kind of thing that can build momentum because people will be afraid to oppose it. Yeah. The party. So I would not be at all surprised if we don't see real movement in the House on some sort of commission or mm. some, some study to examine how you would carry out reparations and what mm. it would cost, who would be eligible, et cetera, et cetera, mm. really beginning to take the issue seriously, which I find quite shocking. But th here we are. You previously wrote a column entitled Why the Democratic Obsession with Racism Won't Win the Minority Votes. Again, we're speaking with Michael Goodwin. His columns are found in the New York Post, which I enjoy regularly. So that's an interesting one. You say that the Democrats' obsession with racism will not win the minority votes. Why is that? Well, I, I, first of all, I think that there is, a, there is an assumption among Democrats that all minorities think alike. 
uh-huh. that they're all, you know, they all are of one mind. I mean, that is what they want to impose on them. I mean, again, we're talking about professional politicians, yes. um, you know, who have no scruples about these things. They're, they're not interested in individuals. They're interested in groupthink. This is how they poll. This is what they look for. This is how they make their pitches to, to, to group identity, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a, a black, uh, a, a black uh, male uh, over 50 or, or a suburban white housewife under 40. I mean, that, it's all about groupthink. Um, and I think that that is now infested their thinking about everything. And they don't allow for individuals. And I think for a lot of non-whites who, who are tired of the Democratic Party, I don't, want, I don't want to overstate how large of a proportion that is, but when you have, I think, this continual sense that we, we black Americans especially, continually vote for you, what are we really getting out of this? What's happening? Ninety percent of our vote year after year, election after election. Um, still, you do your your the House uh, campaign committee turns out to be all white. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Tim Scott uh, said in the Senate last year, two years ago, I guess now, that he was the only senator out of a hundred to have a non-white chief of staff. So th- these are the these are the white privileged people dictating racial politics only for their own good. Well, they're using race as a we- they're using race as a weapon, aren't they? What's that? They're using race as a weapon. Absolutely, uh, and that is the I think the whole point of identity politics here in this late stage. Um, of the uh, of the leftist regimes, but I think it's going to backfire on them. I don't believe that there are enough white people who are so suicidal that they would go along with this, and I don't even know that many blacks believe in it. To be honest with you, I think well, well, that's right. I mean, I think that uh, I mean that's the point that I was trying to drive home in the column that that it's not it's not universally accepted that bigger government, uh, more freebies. Uh, are, are good for for people uh, for non-white people. I mean, it's not. It, it may sound good to a lot, to lots of them. Maybe even the majority. Maybe the vast majority. But I, I think there will be people who don't see it that way. But the Democrats don't think like that. They they only think that if you're black, you must think this way. I mean, mm-hmm. so the the insistence on conformity, uh, this coercive liberalism. Mm-hmm. Barack Obama gave a speech, actually not too long ago, in which he talked about the 2016 elections, and he said that one out of five millennials voted. And he said if two out of five had voted, we would have won everything. Now, of course, the assumption there is they'll all vote the same way. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I just think this is, this is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is about individuals. It's not about groups. We're speaking with Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. His article is exactly on, on target here, which is what we saw last night. And yet the most vocal on reparations was, strangely enough, the, uh, I would say, really kooky one, who everyone seems to like, Williamson, Marianne Williamson. I never heard of her before. Where did she come from? She's a guru who works with Oprah Winfrey, I understand, correct? She's one of those uh, spiritual, new age, self-help, you know, kind of 
you know, I guess it's probably spiritualism without God is more wow. or less what it is. I don't, I don't know much about her myself. Uh, yeah. You know, look, I think she was having some fun last night, but this idea that she uh, somehow commanded the stage and won the debate, that, that, that's a little bit of a stretch in my mind. You know, she won the Drudge poll. She won the poll on my site. She won the Fox poll. Why is that? What are they voting just on those who look best and seem to have the most fun? Yeah, it, it may also be people trying to uh, tweak the party. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I, yes. I mean, she was she was different. She was outside the box. The others are not particularly likable, by and large. Yeah, why, why is Elizabeth Warren so rageful, angry, and hateful? She hated corporations, like you say, banks, Wall Street, insurance companies. She talked of insurers sucking billions, as you write, out of the economy. Why, why does she assume her militancy is going to sell? Um. Good question. I have to assume it's polled for her. Um, mm. I think that she, I mean, I would distinguish two characteristics here. One is the policy, and I think she is, she is hard left, hard and far left. And so, really, in this, at this point, Bernie Sanders is her only obstacle to being mm. the winner of the hard left lane. Um, the other is her personality, her what I call militancy um, it, it, there is a there's an anger about it. There's a kind of you will, you know, I beat them. I beat them. I will win. I'm not afraid. It's very. I don't know if it's if it's trying to overcompensate for this fear that women won't be tough enough. I, I don't know what it is, but mm. it, it to me it is it is unnecessary and and off putting um, as a as a projection of the kind of person you would be. I thought the most hilarious part, just the humorous part, I always look for humor even in the most serious situations, mm -hmm. sure. was when they were supposed to hold their hand over their heart to salute the flag. And I wrote, nothing funnier than watching anti-American communist stooges pretending to pledge allegiance to the flag they spit on. And the funniest one, I don't know, I'm not asking you to agree, was Bernie, who didn't even hold his hand over his heart. He, he put it over his stomach. And I thought maybe he had some, <laughs> he maybe grabbed some knishes on the way and that didn't agree with him. <laughs> You know, Bernie's in, in an interesting position because it, it is true. I, I mean, I wrote this in like February or March of 2016 that even if Bernie didn't win the nomination in 16, he had won the future of the party. Mm. And that that is true. He did not win the nomination, but he did win wow. the future of the party. That's frightening when you say that because his greatest, his greatest acolyte is the crazy bartender. Well, that's right. I mean, and that is that is setting the agenda of the party. I mean, even you look at, um, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren. She she is now further left than she was two years ago or four years ago. Right. I mean, uh, Andrew Cuomo here in New York, uh, De Blasio, the mayor. I mean, they've all gone much further left, and I think Bernie. You have to say that Bernie is the originator of this. Bernie was... He is. He is the godfather of the whole far-left Marxist movement, yes. to, for, from my point of view. He's a very dangerous, extreme radical, and he's never fooled me for one second. And today, strangely enough, this occasional cortex, she couldn't be upstaged by the whole debate. She had to give a little conference and say that Palestinians have no choice but to riot, and Americans should do the same thing. I could not believe it. She couldn't shut up even for a day. She, she uh, you know, the limelight is addictive. Mm-hmm. Michael Goodwin 
has great columns in the New York Post. How many times a week do you write these columns, Michael? At least twice, uh, often more, uh, depending on, on events. But I have two scheduled columns, Wednesdays and Sundays in the New York Post, a full page in the paper. And then I'll write these, you know, in this case, debates, uh, big events, whatever. I'll, I'll chip in, a, you know, another kind of standalone commentary. Have you done a recent book that we can talk about? I'd love to read your book. I, I have not. No, I've uh, I've thrown myself into uh, opinion writing. Uh, you know, I'm 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 a feedback uh, junkie. So uh, the idea of going underground for six months or so to uh, type, type away anonymously. No, I'm I, I love the news. I'm a newspaper guy. It's why I like radio. It's immediate. So yep. you know, sp- speaking of that, all the other topics out there, and there are quite a few, and they're running back and forth on both sides of the aisle. You've got the uh, the issues of uh, of Donald Trump, and what what is in your mind the greatest impediment to Trump being reelected? Because these people are not his greatest impediment, in my opinion. Um, I think Trump's uh, behavior Uh is is probably. I mean, I think there are events that maybe are out of his control. Hmm. Something with Iran, North Korea, etc. Uh, maybe he can't get a deal with Mexico on the border eventually or whatever. So all those events that are beyond his control. But I think the things that are domestically, that are within his control, is if he turns off too many people, Mm. being too, just too exhausting with Mm. controversies, with the comments. I think think there is a a lot of appetite for fighting back. I was just watching the Federal Reserve uh, press Mm. conference. Uh, Donald Trump was absolutely right about the Federal Reserve. Absolutely right that they went too far, too fast with raising interest rates. Now now they're they're cutting rates. Uh, Do you think he's getting any credit? No, because Mm. people, you know, the people in the media especially don't like him don't want to give him credit, don't, don't even want to say he was leading this charge. It's all about, is Powell caving in to Trump? Well, how about just Powell saw that Trump was right? Mm-hmm. That would be the way to cover it. But So I just think the president has enormous numbers of enemies. I don't know how he withstands the pressure. I don't either. I couldn't have taken what he's taken over the last three years. No, no, no I don't know anybody else in public life who could <laughs> Michael, do you, have you have you been in the White House? Have you been invited in? Yes, you have. I, I've been there a few times. I mean, I find him extremely gracious. He's quite humorous. He's got a great sense of humor, and that side of Donald Trump needs to be seen more. We never see that. Yes, I thought. Uh, you know, the first time I had a sit down with him in the White House with, with a group, it was off the record. He went through. I mean, he had a list in front of him of things he wanted to bring up. They were all quite substantive. I mean, including, I think it was the, the, including the election in Iraq, right? Which, and he was, he was so sharp on each point. And right. these were not, I, I didn't get the sense these were memorized. He wasn't reading from anything. He only had the list, kind of a prompt list. Mm-hmm. And, and I just thought, boy, if the public could see more of this, yep. this idea that he's a dope, that he doesn't, you know, right. it's simply not true. I mean, the guy is very smart. He's, he may not be smart in the conventional ways that, that presidents right. generally are. Right, right. But anybody who, un- who underestimates him is really a fool. <laughs> you had the last word. Michael Goodwin of the New York Post, thanks for taking the time to be with us today on The Savage Nation. My pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Savage.
All right, I invite you to go to the michaelsavage.com website and see the articles that I didn't get to and some that I did. We have the poll who won the dim presidential debate. We have half Cortex who is now trying to start riots in America. She couldn't shut her big trap even for a day. She had to try to upstage everyone because she was jealous she couldn't be there. This one is a sick one. This is a really sick egomaniac. Uh, cheerleader for the drug war, Biden's criminal justice pass makes him debate a debate target. Trump to raise borrowing once debt limit is raised. Following another water incident against police, assemblyman proposed law making disrespecting police a felony. That's a little, I don't know, it's a little risky. What do you mean disrespecting police? Uh, assaulting them is one thing, but disrespecting them is another. Well, what kind of nonsense is that? Here's another story I want you to look at. Uh, Radlib judge frees convicted terrorists. You really ought to study that one. Historic 125-year-old church in Texas burns to the ground mysteriously. Black teen shoots at cars, allegedly shouting, I don't like white people in my hood. Guess he uh, needed to be taken care of by the society. Birthright citizenship, a modern invention. Very interesting article. I'm sure you all heard by now. A-listers flock to Google Summit in private jets, mega yachts, to talk about climate change. And, of course, the number one is uh, Leon DiCrapio. The greatest phony in the history of Hollywood, another one, flies with an entourage of, of starlets and talks about global. How did they take themselves seriously? They must really think we're stupid. Let them eat. You know, instead of let them eat cake, their mantra ought to be let them eat lies because they assume we're that stupid that we eat everything they do. Look, if you go into a Leon the Crappio movie, which I went to last week, which I hated, I thought it was garbage, the once upon a time thing. I went and walked out after eight minutes and I said left after eight minutes. Three has-beens trying to be cool. Brad Pitt has-been. Leon DiCrapio looked like a has-been. And Al Pacino was the the most comedically, the most comedic failure was Al Pacino playing a Jewish agent. None of it worked. They were winging it. There was no script. If they could get away with that and take in all of that money over a weekend, then they could fly on a jet to talk about global warming in Switzerland. Westwood One Podcast Network.